I am wasting no time getting started this morning. If you haven't noticed, it's a dab warm. Those of you fanning have noticed, all right? Um, That's all right. Did you bring a Bible? That's always the most important thing. I want you to take the Word of God, turn to the Gospel of John, once again, the third chapter. I want us to drill down a little bit deeper this morning in John chapter 3. Last week, we looked together at the first uh, 16 verses. We're going to look together this morning, verses 22 through 31. But before we get there, let's, let's set the, the, the scene a little bit. Let's get the context, if we can, right. Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25, tell us the story of the miraculous events surrounding the conception and birth, the foretelling of what the ministry would be of John the Baptist. His parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth, who was a relative of Mary, the Lord's mother, were childless. They believed themselves to be beyond the age of having children. We serve a wonderful God of surprises. And God blessed them with a child. He selected them to be parents to John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, the one who would be a voice crying in the wilderness, make straight the paths of the Lord. Zacharias had his doubts about this whole thing. The angel Gabriel confirmed this truth to him, gave him God's promise. And because of his doubt, Zacharias was struck mute until the birth of his son took place. It it really was a miraculous event. When John's ministry began, Israel was ready. They were ready to hear his message. They were ripe for the arrival of Messiah, a deliverer. However, the people were looking for, hoping for someone who was going to be more of a military and political leader. Their desires didn't necessarily line up well with what God's plan was. So then, shortly after that, when Jesus arrived on the scene, the people We're looking, hoping, expecting. Crowds following Jesus began to increase. Crowds following John the Baptist began to diminish. And John's disciples began to grumble about this happening. And I want us to see how this unfolded. Looking together. The Gospel of John, third chapter, beginning at verse 22. If you have your Bible open there, I'm going to invite you, if you can, and will, to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Holy Word. John chapter 3, beginning at verse 22. Here's the record. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized Now John also was baptizing at Enon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. Now this was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man that was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he's baptizing. And everyone is going to him. To this John replied, A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. 
You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. Now before you close your Bible, before you take your seat, I encourage you to look back once more at verse 30 and just focus your heart, your mind on these words. He must become greater. I must become less. If that's not a life purpose statement, I don't know what one is. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning we ask you to bless the reading of your word. And I pray now that you would take this word, speak to our hearts, apply it to us. Father, may it take root in us. If there are those here who do not know you, I pray that today their eyes would be opened to the Savior in the way of following him. If there are some of your children who have wandered away, I pray that today you would remind them of the calling with which they have been called and you would draw them back home. Father, I pray that you would remind each of us of our role in the kingdom. Give us grace to fulfill it. Now teach us from your word that which we need to know. For we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I look across this room and I see people who have chosen all manner of clothing this morning. A lot of folks wear clothes on Sunday. They don't wear on Monday through Friday. And some people wear one set of clothing or style of clothing through the week. But when the weekend comes, man, they hit Saturday. And I mean, it is all lounged out. Nothing wrong with that. A lot of people put on attitudes the way they put on clothes. And before I go any further, I just want to make a simple statement. Jealousy is a lousy choice. Jealousy doesn't look good on anyone. John's disciples showed their jealousy over the increasing crowds that Jesus was drawing, even as their master's influence seemed to be waning. But their unhappiness led John to reveal his statement of purpose, which, which I think is a marvelous challenge for all of us today. His words were simple. We read them a moment ago. He must become greater. I must become less. He must increase. I must decrease. This is how it is in the kingdom of God. And this is a great life purpose statement for all of us. But what did it mean to John? And if we take it apart and try to understand it bit by bit, what should it mean to us today? He must become greater. I must become less. Let's... Let's park in those words for a few moments, can we? 
He must become greater. I must become less. Means we have adopted worship as our purpose. I mean, John said, he must increase. If Jesus is to increase, he must be exalted. He must be recognized for who he is. We must worship him. We must adore him. We must exalt his name and make his name known among the nations. These are three words that call people to bow before the Lord, to acknowledge who he is, to acknowledge his greatness. These words reveal to us that there is only one who is worthy of our praise, one who deserves to be followed, one who is to be given first place in our lives. He, that big capital, he, these weren't easy words for John. Listen, folks, I I don't think they're easy words for any of us. The reality is all of us have some ego. Sometimes we have to lay that ego aside in order that he can be exalted. We have to put our ego aside so that he can become the focal point of our lives. We are called to surrender our ego to honor the one who is greater than ourselves. Can I tell you something? That's a daily decision. It happens every, not just on Sundays. This is a daily decision for each one of us. We face it every day. Am I going to push myself forward? Am I going to try to make much of me? Or am I going to make much of Jesus from the beginning of the day to the ending of the day? Will we exalt Savior or self? You may not realize it, but you make that decision time after time after time every day. We all do. We determine who is going to be exalted, ourselves or him. With John's simple statement of truth, he declares that Jesus is the one he has chosen to exalt. The one he has chosen to press forward constantly. He is going to worship Jesus by exalting Jesus and pointing others to Jesus. With these simple words, John states, here is my purpose for life. I live so that Jesus will be. Be known. What place does the worship of Jesus hold in our lives? Is he someone you remember on Sunday? Or do you think of him every day, all day? Do you begin your day with him in the morning and keep him close by you throughout the course of the day? Oh, listen, if we truly believe these words, he must increase, then we must adopt worship as our purpose. But if we adopt worship as our purpose, it also means that we have adopted humility as our attitude. I must decrease. Be very, very careful. Humility is one of the most difficult things in the world. The young man ran up to his father one day and said, Dad, I got it, I got it. His dad said, what'd you get? He said, I'm humble, isn't that great? (laughs) See, humility is difficult. About the time you think you got it, you lost it. John says, I must decrease. 
He had no desire to exalt himself. He, he wasn't living for or pursuing the praise of others. He didn't feel the need to puff himself up so that someone else would look small. No, he was deflating himself so that someone else could look greater than he was because they were. He was concerned with honoring Messiah. Fulfilling the purpose for which the Father had made him and sent him. The purpose that the Father had given Let me put it to you like this. John was locked in. He was focused on his purpose. He understood the mission and he was going to fulfill it no matter what it might cost him along the way. He was a soldier for the kingdom. He was an advanced scout. Working behind the lines in enemy territory. And he was willing to lay down his life to make sure that those who followed behind him could find the way, follow the path, and make the kingdom of God become a reality in the way that the Father wanted it to be. And John was uniquely qualified for this mission. Say, so what do you mean by that? Well, first off, people would listen to him. He he gained popularity. He gained a following. He had people who were coming behind him and, and, and watching him and listening to him. And Some of them were trying to trap him, sure. <clears throat> but there were also those who were just intrigued by what he had to say. Now, I want you to understand something. John probably wouldn't be popular today. John probably wouldn't be popular. Listen, you can get on the radio, you can get on your computer, you can get on your phone, and you can download podcasts from every celebrity pe preacher and pastor across this country. And they are so smooth. They are so cool. They are so good. John? <laughs> Not so much. First off, he didn't dress right. Second off, I'm willing to guess probably because of the way he dressed and the way he lived, he probably didn't smell right. <laughs> and then instead of speaking to perceived needs, he had one message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Man, that's a great Sunday message. The problem was if they came back on Monday, guess what he preached? Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And if you came back on Tuesday, you heard, repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. He had one message and he preached it over and over and over. Really not the way to build a big church. But what he was preaching was the message God had placed on his heart. And it was the message that God's people needed to hear. And it was an invitation from God to those people that had to be extended. And so he did it. Listen, folks came and they followed and they heard. But, but John wasn't worried about keeping his crowd. He wasn't worried about building his crowd. He was worried about preparing the way. He came from a family of faith. By the way, I, I just want to tell you something. Even before I go down this road, I want you to understand that coming from a family of faith does not guarantee you to be a person of faith. Coming from a family of faith does not mean that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Coming from a great godly lineage does not mean that you're on your way to heaven. That's a personal thing. Having said that, let me tell you, John came from a family of faith. His father, Zacharias, was of the lineage in the family of Aaron. He was of the priestly line, served in the temple. His mother, Elizabeth, also 
of the lineage of Aaron, that, that priestly lineage. But here's the most important thing. In, in Luke chapter 1, verse 6, here's what it says about Zacharias and Elizabeth. Both of them were upright in the sight of God. Now, I, I'm just going to tell you something. People can sing your praises forever, and you can toot your own horn all you want. But when God says you're upright and godly, you're upright and godly. I mean, that's really the, the only recommendation that counts, isn't it? And when God says this about them, you know there's a real deal. I mean, these are people who created a family of faith. And then his birth is brought about by a miracle, and there are angels, and, and, every, and then the crowds come. And I mean, you got to see, this guy was, he was qualified for this mission. But still, in spite of this, he didn't let his ego get out of control. He kept himself, his mission, his position in perspective. He understood everything I'm doing is about honoring the one who's coming behind me. He must become greater. I must become less. Humility is one of the most difficult things. But it is. I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear me. I don't care if you're in the ministry. I don't care if you're in business. I don't care if we're talking about your life at home, your family. I want you to hear what I'm saying to you because you need to get a hold of this. Humility is absolutely, unequivocally, a requirement for those who want to follow and serve Jesus and make a difference in the kingdom of God. The world is filled with people who puff themselves up. Who flaunt themselves in front of the crowd and try to gather attention and, and gain the accolades of the crowd and the praise of men. But if you truly want to be a servant in the kingdom of God, your course is humility. Now, people get kind of uncomfortable when we talk about that. And, uh, it doesn't sound real appealing. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be appealing. It's just a matter of obedience. I mean, read the Gospels and read the words of Jesus. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. Whoever would be great among you must become a servant to all. You see, everything in the kingdom is backward to what it is in this world. And if you want to be great in the kingdom, humility is a must. It has to become our attitude. It has to be that which moves us and drives us and makes us what we are. Now, I'm just going to tell you something. I, this is a struggle. It's a struggle for me. Y'all can sit there and look at me all pious all you want to. But you know, when I was in, back when I was in college... There was a singer by the name of Mac Davis. Y'all remember Mac Davis? Yeah. Who's the guy that recorded the song that said, Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. The reality is most of us kind of have some of that in. Now, we laugh about it. Well, that's just silly. But, man, we don't hesitate to get in front of that mirror, do we? We don't hesitate to step up in front of the crowd. We don't mind the fact that we're out there and people are looking and people are praising and people are saying, Aren't, isn't he wonderful? Be very careful. 
Ego will lead us to places we never intended to go and get us into situations we never wanted to be in. John's life expectancy was pretty short at this point. He didn't have much time left. Okay? But can I tell you something that I believe was John's heartfelt desire? And I would pray that today it's your desire. it's, It's my desire. I hope it's yours. I really believe that John had a desire in his heart. If, if things had been different, if, if life had played differently and he had had more time and his life hadn't been coming to a close the way that it was about to, I think John would have loved to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. But understand... My friends, humility is required. If we would adopt discipleship as our desire. You say, well, why is that true? Because if we don't make humility a focal point, we cannot stop exalting self. It's humility that gives us the freedom to exalt Jesus and make little of ourselves. That was John's desire. I mean, did you read his words? He must become greater. I must become less. He had followers, but he didn't want followers. He wanted to follow along with the crowd who was going to follow after Jesus. He wanted to be a disciple of the one who was greater than himself, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, of whom he was the forerunner and came to prepare the way. If one desires to be a disciple of Jesus, they must forfeit control and surrender to his authority in their life. That's what John did. He must become greater. I must become less. So how, does, how do our lives compare with John's? Does God have first place? Is he on the throne? Is he a, a, a weekly box to check off on Sunday? Because well, we made it to church. That's good. We got this one out of the way for the week. That's quick. Do you value your relationship with him above anything else? Is your dedication to him, to his cause, is it it growing with each passing day or is it just stuck where it's been for a long time now? Listen, I I don't like this. I'm just going to tell you, I don't like this sermon. I didn't like it when God said this is where you're going and I don't like it now that I'm delivering it. And I didn't like it this past week whenever God said, Tim, look at yourself in the mirror. I didn't like it when he said, Tim, does humility describe you? I mean, stop with me for a moment, friends. And assess yourself, your, your, your own life. You're the only person who can be honest and truthful with yourself. You and the Spirit of God. How important to you is the praise of others? How troubling to you is it if you feel like you've been passed by or passed over for some reward or praise or promotion? Are you spending yourself, your time, your your energy, your resources, your efforts trying to be recognized? Trying to be seen as as successful in whatever it is that you do? I I mean, listen, I'm not encouraging anyone 
to do less than their best, whatever it is they do. I, I think we should all give our best. We ought to work as unto the Lord. But are we doing it as unto the Lord or are we doing it because we want someone to recognize it, honor it, praise it, and exalt us? you got to be honest. We live in a culture where everyone is fighting, everyone is pushing and shoving to get ahead. We need to be reminded of Peter's instructions. Peter wrote in his little letter, first one, fifth chapter, sixth verse, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. See, being exalted isn't what we're supposed to give ourselves. That's what we're supposed to wait and let God give to us when it's time. And I've had people say to me, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm so tired of waiting. I'm so tired of being passed over. I've worked my tail off at this company, and I've given myself, and I've been here in the long hours. I've come in early, and I've stayed late, and I've done, and I've done, and I've done, and I keep getting passed over, and I don't understand it, and I don't like it, and I'm mad about it. What do you got to say to that? First off, I'm not responsible. But second off, let me just remind you of something. There's a place where I remember my Lord saying in a parable that the master told the servant. You've been faithful in the little things. I'll place you in charge of much. Now you may not think it's so, friends, but I want you to hear me. Your ego is a little thing. Your family is a little thing. Now, they're very important things. They're very important little things, but they are little things. You're serving inside the body of Christ. Being connected to and active in the body of Christ. Little things are very important things. If God can't find you faithful in the little things, don't think for a moment that he's going to put you in charge much. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. He must become greater. I must become less. That was John's statement of purpose. It affected worship, humility, discipleship, He must become greater. I must become less. Have you adopted worship as your purpose? I mean, when you get up in the morning, is your first thought, I'm going to make much of Jesus today. I don't know who I'm going to meet, don't know who I'm going to see, don't know who I'm going to be around, but man, when they're done with me, they're going to know Jesus is on the throne. Have you chosen to apply humility as your attitude When people see you coming, do they look and say, oh man, help's on the way? Or do they look and say, oh, great. I'm going to have to listen to this again. Humility does that, you know. 
Have you chosen to accept discipleship as your greatest desire? You see, if those three things are in place, you're walking in the footsteps of John the Baptist. You're walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Maybe you would look at that verse today and say, you know what, I, I want that to be my life's purpose statement. That's awesome. You can establish today what your life is about. Maybe you're still trying to figure it out. And if you are, I want you to know that verse would be an awesome verse for you to park on. Is your life God-honoring? Will God honor you for living the way that you've chosen to live? Remember, rewards aren't always easy. John's commitment to doing things God's way cost him his life. He said, man, that's too high a price. Oh, no, it's not. I want to tell you something. God honored him. So how did God honor him? Jesus said, hasn't been a greater man. I thought you said God honored him. Jesus was God. He is God. He will always be God. And he saw John for what and who he was. And today, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to live a life that will exalt Christ, to, to make him known in your world, whatever that is, wherever that is, wherever it takes you. Will you live to serve yourself and grow in your own comfort and satisfaction? Are you ready to follow him and serve him no matter what it might cost you or no matter how difficult it may be? That's the decision each of us is called to make. John chose. I've chosen. Will you choose? Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a, a song of commitment. I want to give you the opportunity to respond to the voice of God, to the Word of God. It may very well be that Today, you're sitting in this room and you're saying, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus like what you're talking about, okay? You can have. But you need to know some basic things. God loves you. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. If you will follow him, surrender to him, give him your heart, your life, he will make you a new creation. And friend, he will lead you down a path you've never experienced before. Will you follow him? Perhaps you're my brother or sister in Christ, but things have gotten fouled up along the way. Life hasn't worked out the way you thought it was going to, and, and maybe you've made some bad decisions or bad choices you've turned aside, and, and you're not where you want to be or where you used to be or where you know you need to be, and today the Spirit of God is calling you and drawing you back. Would you come? Would you come back to him? Would you surrender to him? My friend, I don't know what it is that God may be saying to you, but I do know this. He wants us to give Him first place. He wants us to worship Him. He wants us to humble ourselves before Him so that He can use us as disciples and servants to grow His kingdom. Are you ready to be a part of God's plan today? If so, I invite you. Make that decision. Maybe you're not sure what to do or how to do it. I'll meet you right down here at the front. I'm not going to press you or embarrass you, but I'd love to share with you from the Word of God. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to encourage you. 
to let God have his way. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the testimony of a man like John who was willing to lay aside his own opportunity, his own glory for the greater glory of God. Father, you call us to walk that path every day. And yet so often we struggle to stay on that course. Father, I I pray right now for us in this room. I'm confident there's some in this room who don't know you. Perhaps your, your spirit is speaking to them even now. I pray that you give them ears to hear and a receptive heart. To adopt, accept the truth that that all of us have to accept. That we're sinners. That there is a Savior. And in Him there is hope and life. Father, draw them to Yourself. Father, for those who are struggling, those who are wondering, those who are hurting, I pray that today Your Holy Spirit would call, minister, heal, bring peace. Do those things which only You can do in the lives of Your children. Father, be glorified in this place. Be glorified in our lives. Bring us to a place where you can use us. Have your way, Father, in each life. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.